Are you a practitioner or a coach listening to this? If so, I would love to ask you, do you use hypnotherapy in your practice working with clients? And if not, would you like to? The power of hypnotherapy is limitless. And so often we experience our clients struggling to reach their goals. It's because they're coming up against their own brick walls and getting stuck. But you can help them through the power of hypnosis, break through all of that, working with their unconscious mind to put the suggestions in, to have them taking the action to achieve the results that they want. They are thrilled with your coaching techniques. They're getting the results they want. You feel amazing because you are helping your client get the results they want. It's a win-win. And another win is that it's an added revenue stream for you in your business. So if you like the feel of helping your clients get the results they want, if you like the sound of that, then definitely reach out Melissa at yourguidedhealthjourney.com or click the link tree link below for my unlimited power of hypnosis class to learn more. It's a weekend designation program that I teach valid in 42 countries. You write an exam after taking the experiential course and you can be admitted to the American Board of Hypnotherapy and start using hypnotherapy one-to-one with your clients and have them achieving the results they want. Imagine getting up every day full of energy as if you were in your 20s again. What would that be like? What would that be worth to you? What is your health worth to you? Think about it. Your health isn't everything, but without it, everything else is nothing. And yet too many of us are taking it for granted until something goes wrong. No one wakes up hoping to be diagnosed with a disease or chronic illness. And yet we've never been taught how to be proactive in our health through our school system or public health. As a registered health coach and integrative health practitioner, I believe it is time this information is made available to everyone. Combining new knowledge around your health and the ability to do my functional medicine lab tests in the comfort of your own home will allow you to optimize your health for today and all your tomorrows. Don't wait for your wake-up call. Welcome back to another episode of the Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call podcast. I am Melissa Dealey, your host, and today I have here with me Roberta Hughes of Peaceful Living. Welcome to the show, Roberta. Thank you, Melissa. It's a delight to be here. I'm excited to be your guest today. Well, I'm excited to have you here sharing with us today, and I want to just introduce you to the audience before we dive in. Roberta is the founder and lead instructor at Peaceful Living, a boutique hybrid studio that conveys a delicate and personalized instruction through customized Pilates, meditation, and yoga classes. Roberta's core focus is on redefining people's relationship with stress with offerings like five-minute Zen breaks or custom-tailored approaches to stress relief and lifestyle shifts. Roberta walks alongside clients, individuals, and businesses to implement daily routines such as meditation practice to aid in clearing the clutter from our minds and ease the weight of what we are carrying, both mentally and physically. I love this work that you do, Roberta. And, you know, I'm just starting my day here, but just reading five-minute Zen breaks sounds so wonderful to me. Yes. (laughs) It's something that I love to practice, but I really love 
how you walk alongside your clients in this journey. I think the work that you do, you just take it one step further compared to uh, everyone else that I've come across that is offering meditation or yoga or Pilates, et cetera. And that's what I really love about you and why I wanted to have you come on the show today. So thank you so much for your time. Yes. And I know that you also very generously offered to share your experience in recently working with me through detoxing and into a CBO protocol. And I'd love to dive into that. What led you to come to me for that? And from there, we're also going to dive into that whole conversation around stress and how you help people with stress, because of course, it's all related. It definitely is. And I think this conversation will hopefully help so many people because I think we'll discuss a little bit about how we come to make the choices to change our approach to health and wellness, and then what is needed and necessary to keep us on that trajectory and to keep us committed to our initial goal, even when things start to feel a little challenging. I love that. And you had a few ahas for yourself as you went through the program. So please share. I did. You know, Melissa, I've been doing a seven-day detox probably for the last 20 years. I started it when my oldest son is was two years old. It's actually 22 years. Um, he'll be 25 in August. And the very first time I detoxed, I really didn't have any tools <laughs> I just had an outline of what to do, which was to eliminate all of the inflammatory foods, gluten, dairy, caffeine, alcohol, all of the things that we know can really bear, bear down in our bodies and weigh us down and make us not feel good. So I had this light outline. I lived in Montana at the time. I decided to do this detox in January when there were no fresh fruits and vegetables, <laughs> We didn't have access to all of the wonderful types of protocols that we have today. So I was eating frozen vegetables. I was <laughs> I was miserable for this week. I had the worst headaches. I was feeling terrible. But throughout my life, I have refined that process. And I felt like I was doing a pretty good job of still detoxing two times a year. But then this past January... I felt like my health just wasn't at its optimal level. And then in March, I got hit with some stressful things. My dog was diagnosed with cancer in February. He had an amputation in March. And at the same time that he had his amputation, I got diagnosed with COVID, a UTI, and a sinus infection. So it was this triple whammy that just hit my immune system, probably because my stress levels were high. And I felt like I needed more support than what I know. And oftentimes we have to reach outside our limited availability of information to someone like you who has a different perspective, different experiences, different knowledge. And so I reached out to you and I said, you know, I've had two rounds of antibiotics. I'm not feeling good. I want to feel better. And you gave me this protocol to try, and it was definitely more um, die hard than my seven-day detox, <laughs> but also similar in ways because um, we were eliminating all of the foods that I was used to eliminating. 
Um, I was able to have protein every day and vegetables for dinner, um, except for on the fasting days. The fasting days were new for me. And that's probably the thing that was one of my aha moments. Um, not having food in my body was, gosh, it, at first I had this mindset shift of, you know, week one, okay, I'm not going to do this. Like one week is enough, you know? <laughs> I, I can do this for one week. And, you know, I was grouchy. I was upset about it. I wasn't happy. I was feeling all of the icky stuff coming up and out. And I knew that was a good thing, but I also didn't want to do it again. But then I had five days of pretty much being able to eat delicious foods. And I, I spent those five days looking at what is possible, what's available rather than looking at what can't I have, I started looking for what can I have and how can I create and feed and nourish myself with the things that are available within this protocol. And I was very happy during those five days. So then when the second week of two days of um, fasting came up, I was like, okay, I can, I can do this again. You know, my mindset was a little more willing and I was more prepared. I think I had reached out to you saying, you know, for me, the texture of the powder and water just wasn't something that I could get down. And you gave me some great pointers, like try this and this. And we added some cinnamon and just a little bit of nut milk, some coconut milk. And that made it more doable for me. So I was excited that I had something new to try that kept me going, that kept my motivation up. And the two days went a little bit better. And then again, the five days of creativity and nourishment and what can I have? And during that second week, um, I was preparing to go to bring my son home from college and he lives or goes to college in Santa Barbara. And by the third week of fasting, I shifted just um, my fasting days. So I wasn't fasting on my traveling days. I shifted them just so that I was ending my fasting as I was traveling. And being in Santa Barbara, let me tell you, was like this delightful experience because they have so many options available for vegan diets and gluten-free diets and you know, lean proteins and beautiful seafood. So it was this adventure of what's available. And I don't think I shared this story with you, but I went to lunch with a friend of mine um, while I was on this trip and we were having lunch at a restaurant and the waiter came and asked if we had any dietary needs. They actually ask you that as one of your first questions in California. So I told him and he said, we have some delicious fun-free desserts. <laughs> and so he called it fun-free foods. And I wasn't having dessert at that time, but what he said really transformed my perspective in that moment to how we get so accustomed to eating for fun that we think that that's how we're supposed to eat all of the time. So then when we do ask ourselves to do these protocols that are more diligent, more um, focused, more disciplined for our health, we're just looking at deprivation. So when he said fun free, I said to myself, 
well, we really shouldn't be eating for fun all of the time. Like maybe 80% of the time we need to be eating to nourish and nurture the health of our bodies. And that 20% could be for fun. And I don't know about in Canada, but I think here in the US, people have just become accustomed to everything should be a celebration. Everything should be fun. But then that takes away from the celebration of the moment too. So I probably gave you way too many things, but I wanted to share that whole experience with you for that first three weeks of the liver detox. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. And I love so much of what you've said and the shift in perspective, because that really is what it's all about. And I always say that we should eat 80% of the time, eat the way that our body wants us to be eating to nourish our body. And then the 20% of the time is when we have our treats or our cheat meals or our celebrations. So I like how you've likened that to fun versus really why are we eating? We're eating for energy. We're eating for optimal health. We're eating so that we can thrive. And if we're making those choices 80% of the time, our body can bounce back from any little health issue or not even necessarily get sick. But when 80% of the time we're making poor choices for our body's ability to thrive, that's where we land in that place of chronic illness. And in today's world, so much of that food is available. And so people are eating it, not even realizing how it's negatively impacting their health. And so that's where I love to share this information through the podcast and let people know that chronic illness is not a life sentence. We can heal from it when we start to create the environment for our body to heal itself. And so I love that you came up with that 80, 20% yourself with a fun free dessert comment from that server in California. I also love what you said about the perspective and something that I love to share is that somebody who's vegetarian chooses to be vegetarian and they don't then mope around saying, Oh, I can't eat meat because I'm vegetarian. They just simply say I'm vegetarian. They made a choice and they stick with that choice. And it's the same when it comes to making a choice to do something for your health, to go through a protocol. It's I made the choice. I can do this. I'm going to look for what I can have. And I love that you figured that out for yourself instead of staying stuck in a mindset of, I don't get to eat this. I don't get to eat that. And so that's what got you through the three weeks, even though the first week you were grumpy and you were irritable and you didn't like it. And you thought I'm only going to do a week of this. And I do tell people the first two days are the hardest because it's quite a shock for your body to suddenly go without food. Yes. You're still getting the nutrition your body needs so you can, you know, still function, right? It's not a water fast. However, it's not food. And so you've got your brain wondering what's going on and your body body wondering why it's not getting as many calories. But then by the time you get to the second week, your body's like, okay, I know what this is. And it can keep going. And those two fasting days are so powerful and they are the game changer difference to what you were doing before. And, you know, you're someone who's taking care of your health for years and taken some really great steps. But those two days of fasting allow the body to do so much cleanup. And yeah. And let me just tell you, like the first day after fasting, like that first shake with 
dark berries and some coconut milk and a little bit of cinnamon. It was the most joyful, delightful moment, you know? And so that second week I looked forward to it, like how delightful that moment was going to be. And I think we lose that delight and anticipation around things that are delicious. And we lose the sense of what's delicious because our taste buds are just so accustomed to being fed all of these things all of the time. And I I wanna share another story with you. Um, Years ago, I changed my relationship to desserts because I used to be a very sugar-centered person in my younger years. I just loved desserts. I loved sweets. I loved ice cream. And I've gotten away from that over the years. But when I was um, in my early 30s, I went on a silent yoga retreat and they provided all of the foods. And it was pretty much like the CBO protocol, mostly vegan for breakfast and lunch, and then usually fish and vegetables for dinner, no desserts. But on the very last day of the retreat, they were baking this raspberry tort with an almond crust. And we walked in and just the smell of the aromas, the baking, like you could smell almost every single ingredient. And we were all just so looking forward to that last meal and having dessert together. And since it was a silent retreat, we hadn't been communicating with each other, but there was one other um, person that he and I kept like following the same paths almost during our free time. Like I would always cross paths with him. Somehow we almost always were sitting at the same table or near each other at mealtime and he happened to sit next to me for this last meal and he finished his dinner first and went and got a piece of this dessert. And when I saw it on his plate, it looked like the most beautiful thing that I'd ever seen. And then I saw him take his first bite and his face was just pure joy. And I, in that moment, I thought like, that's what dessert is supposed to be. It's not supposed to be just feeding ourselves sugar all of the time. And that really transformed my relationship to sugar in that moment. Because when you just see pure joy, like that's what a dessert or a celebration to me is, you know, it's not just fixing a bowl of ice cream every single night and sitting in front of the television. (laughs) And eating it mindlessly, right? Yes. Yes, Yes. exactly. I love that. And it's so true when it's something that is that special treat that you only have every once in a while. And then you savor each and every mouthful and experience not only the flavor, but the texture, et cetera, that Mm -hmm. exactly what it should be. So I love that story. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. You too. How are you feeling now having completed that protocol compared to where you were at when you first came looking to feel better and overcome the the triple whammy health issue that you had? Yeah. So now like my whole system is clear. I just went for a follow-up a couple of weeks ago to make sure, um, you know, I was clear of bacteria and everything came out clear. So that was a great, um, affirmation, but I have had more energy. I have felt better in my clothing. I'm not one that tends to be overweight, but if I have, if I'm holding on to five to seven pounds, it feels like a lot to me. And I shed probably seven pounds during that three weeks of the liver detox. 
And I just feel like my system is flowing better. I'm sleeping better. Um, I can tell when I eat foods that aren't agreeable because I get bloated almost immediately where I used to feel like I was bloated almost daily. So now I'm identifying even more than I had known in the past, which foods I'm more sensitive to and which foods just aren't agreeable to my stomach. I think I shared with you last week that now that I'm able to have grains again, I've been having them almost every night, you know, um, either brown rice or white rice or a brown rice pasta. And I was starting to feel sluggish and heavy and bloated again. Having them once or twice a week, I've realized is okay, but having them in my diet every single day I'm just not going to feel as good. So I feel like I'm getting to know myself in a more intimate way. And I always get excited about that because information is power. I absolutely love that you shared that because when I guide people through this program, not only do I love to hear the benefits like better sleep and, you know, feeling better in your body and the bloating is gone, but what I really love to hear is the awareness right? Mm -hmm. That connection to your body and understanding how the foods you eat impact how you feel. And then being able to make those choices. Do I want to eat this every single day or do I want to have it just once or twice a week? And as you say, information is power. When you know that about yourself, you can make those choices. And, you know, if you know you're going out with friends later in the week, maybe you don't have as much control over the food. So you accept that I don't have control over the food. I'm going to go. I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to enjoy the food. I'm going to make sure that I eat what my body loves earlier in the week so that it can handle whatever it might get later in the week. And you can make all of those choices. And then dining out now, too, is so much easier than it used to be because restaurants you know, that restaurant in California asking you in advance, do you have any, you know, food sensitivities, et cetera, is awesome. But all restaurants today are able to handle that. Even if they don't ask you in advance, if you say, hey, I can't have this, this, and this, they can still make recommendations off the menu or come up with a meal that is, you know, a piece of fish or um, some chicken, turkey, some meat, some salad on the side, and some steamed veggies. They can all do that. So don't feel like you can't go out and enjoy life because you're doing a protocol that is helping you thrive. Part of helping you thrive is also being social. We're humans, right? So what I love about this is you don't have to put your life on hold. You were able to visit friends. You were able to move your son home from university while doing the program. I don't advise it in the first week because the first week you're still getting used to it. But by the third week, that's perfect timing. And that's why you timed it that way. Yeah. And that's why I love to guide people through and work with people on this to help you set this up within your life and make it doable. If you're enjoying my content and someone that wants to step into being proactive in your health and learning more, I would love to invite you to join my membership community. There's a link in the show notes for only $19.99 a month. You get access to all of my content and there is a lot as well as weekly calls that you can come and get your health questions answered. It's truly priceless. I'd love to see you join the community. Check out the link in the show notes. Yeah. And I've actually had a fun time, you know, instead of telling a waiter, like, I can't have this or I can't have that. I'll just say, hi, you know, I'm gluten-free, dairy-free, alcohol-free. 
um, sugar-free, whatever I'm free of in that moment, I said, would you help me find something that would work? And they almost always say, let me go talk to the chef and see what I can do. But I've noticed like when people say, oh, I can't have gluten or I can't have this or it puts a more negative perspective, I think, on the social aspect as well as on the weight person, because then they're worried about you. But I've noticed when I take that more proactive conversation of, you know, I'm free of all of these things, you know, what what can you help me build? Then they become more excited about, well, let me see what we can do. <laughs> And it allows them, especially when they go back to the chef too, I bet the chefs love it because they get to be a little bit creative here too. Yes. Um, I actually, for Father's Day, I was visiting my family in Arizona and my dad loves to do brunch buffets and, you know, it's his day. He gets to pick. And at first I was like, oh, there's not going to be anything I can eat because, you know, buffets, we have no control over how things were prepared. So again, I made friends with my waitress and I said, you know, I'm free of all of these things right now. Um, Can you tell me what out here is available for me? And she said, let me go talk to the chef. She came back with her list and she was super excited. And, you know, I felt empowered and I got to choose what was available. I love that. And it's fascinating to see that the server's staff that you are working with and doing this is that they're excited to help you, right? Yeah. Probably because it's a little bit different for them as opposed to just the same old, same old. Now they're being asked to help and people love to help, right? Yes. And so they'll remember you at the end of the day too, because you were the one that they got to go that extra mile for, and that makes them feel good. So I love really great tips. Something else that you also commented to me, and maybe this was part of your aha about the whole mindset perspective, but when you mentioned that you were on this protocol to friends, some of their response was, oh, I could never just eat those foods or be limited to that or stick to that. Tell me a little bit more about that. And from that, I feel like it's, it's in the nature for most people to be stuck in the, I can't. And so you know, now being on the CBO protocol, there are still things that I'm not adding to my diet on purpose. And I'm in the place of, you know, I like to eat a vegan lunch, or I like to eat a gluten-free dinner, you know, kind of like you said, I'm a vegetarian. I've taken more of that positive conversation. And so when I share that with friends, sometimes they'll say, oh, I couldn't live without pasta, or I couldn't live without red meat, or I couldn't live without bacon or dessert or dairy or ice cream, you know, whatever it is that is their thing, I guess. Um, Until I think you remove yourself from habits and patterns, you don't realize what options are available when you stay in your limited perspective. So I I haven't been replying to them when they say that. I just let them be in their place of I can't because from the work I've done with people over the years, I know at this point in my life that a person needs to be ready to choose it for themselves. That's and a- so all I can do is choose it for me mm-hmm. and say, you know, I kind of felt that way too at one time that I couldn't live without ice cream or I couldn't live without a glass of wine, you know, on the weekends, because for that three weeks of no wine, you know, one of my favorite things to do on a Friday night is pour a glass of champagne and watch the sunset. 
And that's just kind of a ritual that I had. And, you know, it definitely was one of those things that I enjoyed, but I did without it for three weeks and I was completely okay. I could still watch the sunset and sip on a cup of tea or have something else in that ritual and in that moment. I love that. And I love that you recognize that, you know, you can only choose for yourself. We can't force anybody else to do this. We can't do the detox for them. They have to absolutely be ready. But coming to that place of readiness and then stepping into it is a choice. It is a mindset. And sometimes it does take a little bit of a health issue to get us to that place. And yours was relatively minor thankfully. And why I love to teach this to people and just start opening up people's mindset to this is the fact that don't let it, don't wait for that two by four to hit you over the head. Our health is our greatest asset and we can take baby steps to look after it each and every day that impact your longevity far more significantly than you've ever been led to believe. Mm-hmm. We have Alzheimer's for 20 to 30 years before it's ever actually diagnosed. And once you have that diagnosis, what would you give to go back and redo that 20 to 30 years differently? And so that's the message that I just want to share with people. I love how everything you've shared here, Roberta, and your mindset around your health and hopefully people hear it in a different way when it's coming from you instead of always just coming from me. But right now we live in a place where four in 10 Americans have two or more chronic diseases. Six in 10 have one. And I just want them to know it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to accept this as your lot in life and suffer for the rest of your life. And that this chronic illness is never going to go away. We can take action to help your body come back into balance. We remove the toxicities. We support the deficiencies. Your body comes back into balance and it will heal. That's what it's designed to do. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So thank you for sharing your experience and all of your ahas and learning. I love all of that. And I would love to shift into focusing on your work and how you help your clients and how you came into this, you mentioned the silent yoga retreat that you went to many years ago, but what led you down this path in the first place? So I came to yoga when I was 19 years old in college. I took it as a one credit course and it really was that transformational experience for me. I was entering my freshman year as a business major, which wasn't the best fit for me. So the classes were giving a lot of stress, a lot of heartache. Um, And then I had this one credit yoga class and I would go and when I would walk out, I would feel like a different person. And even my roommate, we would always meet up after yoga and she would say, you just look so peaceful and so happy when you come out of yoga. And I felt it, like I felt that transformational shift in my whole being. And from there, I just kept yoga as a part of my life. Um, through the rest of, you know, the years when I graduated college, I became a very um, young newlywed and mom. So I got married at the age of 23. I had my first baby at the age of 25. And my ex-husband got commissioned in the Air Force two years after we got married. 
And just a couple of months after our first, or no, a couple of months before our first son was born. So he flew back for the birth of our son. So from there, it was just like this fast moving train of moving out of my home state for the first time in my life with a six week old baby and um, trying to set up households and um, do all of the things by myself far away from family. And yoga was kind of my life preserver during those moments. You know, I would practice a little bit in the evenings or when my son was napping, um, just to kind of keep my energy levels going because of the Air Force and the schedule. I was almost a single mom in those early years of parenting. So um, I, I used these little pockets of time throughout the day because I didn't have hours to just focus on self-care. So um, my second baby, I had four years after my first. So before the age of 30, two children under the age of five, still moving households, still, you know, trying to do all of the things myself far from home. And I don't know if you recall those early stages of parenthood, I now call them the boot camp years, <laughs> because you're exhausted, you're sleep deprived, you're trying to figure things out, you're hoping your children live through the day, you know, our job is to keep them alive. And that can be a lot of pressure, depending on what happens during the course of a day, and how active and ambitious they are. Um, so when they would rest, I would take these little pockets of time on the floor, five minutes of a yin yoga pose. My second son was not a sleeper. So I would put him on a mattress on the floor. I would do a few yin yoga postures. We would have some quiet time and then back to being busy. And this is what kept me sustained through those years of just being a young mom trying to do so many things by myself, for myself and for my children and for my husband at the time. And um, without yoga, without that centering, I don't think that I would have made it through those years as well as I did. I love that you found it at such a young age because it would have helped through the stress of university as well, of course. Yes. And what I also love is that you were doing it in little pockets of time. You didn't only do it when you had an hour free because you never had an hour free. And so you made it work within your day in little pockets of time. And I love that because so often people don't embark on a self-care practice because they say they don't have time. Yes, that's probably the most common thing that I, I hear. And I really can empathize with that because time is fleeting for all of us at every age and stage of life. You know, there's always going to be things that require our time, that need our time, and until we become intentional and choose to take time for ourselves, it will never be available for us. Exactly. Exactly. And you're just such a perfect example of how you chose to be intentional and take the little moments that you had fleeting as they were, they all add up. They do. And so in, you know, maybe it was three or four or five or six yoga poses through the day at different times of the day, but it helped, as you said, keep you grounded and centered. Yeah. So since then, you've added Pilates and meditation as well. So keep going with your journey as you got into those additional modalities. 
Sure. So I started going through official yoga training when I was four months pregnant with my second son. And that was um, at Santa Barbara Yoga Center. And it was such a beautiful experience because they almost put it together like a university. You could do your 200 hours over the course of two years, which made it very doable for me because, again, a mom of two children I didn't have time to just immerse myself in a full 200 hour training. So over the scope of time, you know, we did our 50 hour immersion. My mother flew out and stayed with my children. Well, my one son, the other one was in my tummy. (laughs) She She stayed with my oldest son so that I could go each day back and forth for 10 days. And once I immersed myself in that practice, then we had little modules that were from a Friday to a Sunday. And we could do meditation. We could learn anatomy. We could learn the different pieces in smaller pockets of time. And this was when I decided to do that silent yoga retreat. And so we really focused on yin yoga and meditation during that time. And prior to that, I had done little bits of meditation, just quieting my mind. But this was four full days of silence. And let me tell you, it's almost like the liver detox in those fasting days. Lots of stuff comes up, right? (laughs) When it's just you and your thoughts and your habits and patterns. And I realized how much the silence can help us develop self-awareness and how it allows the space and the time for us to process through those negative mindsets, those like angry moments of why did I choose to do this? Like I thought I was going to get relaxing (laughs) time away from my children. And here I am having night sweats and all of this stuff coming up. But by the end of it, it was like that cathartic process. I felt free. I felt empty. I felt um, unburdened and That was my big experience with meditation. So I started to learn more so that I could make those meditation moments richer through the yoga teaching that I was doing at that time. And then fast forward. So this was probably all in 2002, 2003. So then fast forward to about 2007, I was working at a fitness center teaching yoga and leading their yoga program. And when I was in training, the person who was leading Pilates decided to quit. She didn't want to be the coordinator anymore. So I get a call from my boss saying, hey, you know, every other uh, fitness center has one person in charge of yoga and Pilates. So that's going to be you when you get back from this training. (laughs) And I had never taken a Pilates class in my life uh, prior to getting this news. So I said, well, I really need to understand Pilates to be able to coordinate and uh, help the instructors build their classes and programs. So they put me through my level one Pilates training. And prior to going through Pilates training, having been a yogi, a gymnast, a cheerleader in my younger days, my back had already gone out on me two times at that point, once when I was 19 the other when my youngest son was 14 months old. And at that time, I was on my back flat for about 10 days, thinking that I would never really walk or be able to hold my child again. So that too was kind of one of those traumatic moments. 
But once I went through my Pilates training, I have never had a back issue again because I learned how the Pilates principles of um, centering and control and precision really create the stability for our pelvis, our hips, our low back. And for women, you know, those are probably the most sensitive and vulnerable areas, especially if we choose to have children and um, they become very elastic and that puts a lot of stress and strain on the low back. So I was hooked from that first training. It felt like a boot camp. It was so outside of my Zen. Um, I almost had to divorce yoga for about five years as I dove into the Pilates training and learning about the architecture of the body and the stability and the strength where I tend to like to be in the yumminess and the stretchiness and the feel good, you know, good pieces, the peaceful pieces. But to me, they were such a perfect marriage once I understood the concepts of both. And I find different clients respond to different modalities based on what they need, probably just like you do, but mine's more from a physical and energetic perspective. You know, do they need more flexibility? Do they need more strength? Do they need more ability to dive into their experience and have that self-awareness um, to become friends with some of the sensations that they experience during movement? Because so many people are really hard on themselves looking at the I can'ts, just like with nutrition, um, like my body can't do that. Or now that I'm this age, I can't do that anymore. But to me, age is a number. Yep. And the whole reason I do the practices that I do is so that when I'm 60, 70, 80 years old, my body still is capable of moving in the best way that it can in that moment. I know it's going to be different every 10 years. I turn 50 tomorrow, actually. Oh, so. <laughs> tomorrow. happy big fun. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, you know, I feel healthier than I probably did when I was 30. So to me, age is a number and there's so much we can do to feel fantastic, to feel wonderful, to feel vibrant, to feel healthy in our bodies at every age and stage of life. And I agree a hundred percent with everything <laughs> you just said there too. So thank you for again, sharing that with my audience because yes. it's so, so true. And tell me, how do you work with your clients? So I know you work with some clients on Zoom in your bio. It's a hybrid model. Please share with the audience how they can work with you and what you offer. Because as I said at the very beginning, it is unique in that you are meeting each client where they're at and guiding them through just as I do with my detox programs. People, people could buy the detox program off the shelf and just go and do it. And then, do, you know, do they finish it? Do they give up on day one or day two of the fasting? And it's the same. You can go find a yoga class online. You can go find a meditation online. However, do you get the same results as when you work with an expert like you? And so please share what people get yes. when they work with you. So with me, it's all about a customized approach because I believe one size does not fit all. And even though the practices may be the same, the application of the practices never is the same for each person. I have an online community and that's really for people who like to be more independent. But even in my online community, I'll help you put together your master playlist. I have more than 150 videos in my on-demand library 
And the very first thing I'll do when someone becomes a member of the community is create that personalized playlist. So we'll have a conversation and learn what is it that they're needing or seeking in this moment of their life? Is it more um, self-awareness? Is it the ability to let go of stress? Is it a physical injury that they're trying to heal and be at peace with and to learn how to move or strengthen or stretch different parts of their body? And then I can put together all of the videos that are going to apply to them. But I tend to no, never choose more than two to three when a first a person is first getting started because I also know that by giving a huge container, people get overwhelmed and it's just too much. So I, I keep working with a person until we find that good fit. Like, are you able to commit one day a week? Do you maybe just need a five minute Zen break between your Zoom calls if you're working from home? What is it that's needed? What is it that's doable? And then let's start with that thing and build from there. So that's the online community. From there, some people do like more accountability. They want to know, is my body moving in the best way that it can? Or I just had back surgery and have been released for movement again. I want to see how their bodies move. So we meet on Zoom in a private session, either once a month or once a week, depending on how often they would like to do that. And then I just continue to help them build the protocols that are going to work well to help them get to where they want to be. And then I see people in person as well. So I teach um, Pilates in my home studio, as well as in Centennial, Colorado, for anyone that might be listening in the Denver area. I have a VIP Pilates group limited to four people because I prefer semi-private instruction over group classes and private instruction. And then I also got certified in facial reflexology this past January. So now I'm providing that service as well. And it really just helps to speak to the nervous system and harmonize the nervous system, brings our brain waves down to a lower state of being so we can really achieve that feeling of deep rest. And as you know, our bodies heal when we're able to find a place of rest and Gosh, I think that's everything that I do. <laughs> I have started to do some retreats as well. So I've led too many retreats in Arizona this year, and I hope to expand and do more things in other spaces as 2023 goes on. So I love all of that. And that's a lot that you do. So there's so many different ways that people can work with you and so many different offerings that you have for individuals. So anybody who is looking to implement a self-care routine or improve their self-care routine can absolutely benefit from having a conversation with you. And because you meet them where they're at, they will come away with an action step that is doable for them. And that's what's so important. As you said, if you give someone too much, they do nothing because they're in overwhelm and they don't know where to get started and they just stop. So I love that you do make it so customized and meet them where they're at and keep working with them as they build up through the protocols. So yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And you, of course, are also part of my Start Now Live Well program, which is yes. a program designed for people who want to optimize their health, who want to focus on longevity, 
who want to release all of the baggage that they may be carrying around that may have triggered some kind of chronic illness and heal all four bodies, the physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, because that's where we get that full healing. And you're one of the amazing practitioners that's part of that program, because so often stress is what's triggered all of the health issues. And we need to come back and address that stress and make sure that we're getting the individual out of that stress state. And so your work is so, so important. 90% of doctor's visits are due to stress. Yes. So your work is very much needed in the world today. Well, thank you, Melissa. You're very welcome. And on that note, I love to ask all of my guests, what does don't wait for your wake up call mean to you? So for me, that means not to wait until it's too late um, to pay attention to the red flags. For me, that red flag was getting those three infections all at the same time. Like that meant that my immune system needed some support and possibly I needed more help than what I was able to see on my own. So I reached out and asked for help. So pay attention to the signs that your body is giving you. If you notice something, not to brush it off, not to put it off until later, to be curious, to get some answers. I always you know, ask myself to be clear on what's happening so then I can make the choices that I want. So when I got the diagnosis, then I could say, okay, what are my choices in healing here? I, I try not to turn towards medications. That's just my personal choice, but because I was hit with three things all at one time, I did make the choice of antibiotics. But my doctor, she's a DO, she knows by the time I reach out, I've usually tried (laughs) all of the things that I know on my own to try to get my healing to turn around. And by the time I start an antibiotic, it's kind of the last, last call. So to, um, answer your question, not tell me one more time, Melissa, I'm sorry. Cause I started talking too much. <laughs> oh, good. I was just asking, what does don't wait for your wake up call mean to you? And I love what you said. And I actually yeah. posted about it this morning oh. is pay attention to the symptoms, which are the flags and get curious yeah. as opposed to just pushing through. And unfortunately society does teach us to push through, you know, do more, go harder, suck it up, keep going, be strong. All of these things that are detrimental to our health. It might be advantageous to your business or the company that you work for and society at large that teaches us this, but it isn't advantageous to our health. And that piece is the piece that isn't taught. And so, yeah, thank you again for sharing such Amazing wisdom. And so if people want to get hold of you, how can they get hold of you? And I know you also have a very generous offer for the audience. So please share that as well. I do. So I would love to offer all of your listeners a 30-day membership to the Peaceful Living community. And that would include their personal playlist or self-care success plan so that they can get the most impact out of those 30 days. And to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Roberta underscore peaceful living and full has two L's. So three L's all in a row. You can also visit my website, peacefulliving.com. 
And you can email me, Roberta at Peaceful Living. Oh, yes, Roberta at PeacefulLiving.com. <laughs> so that's my email address. And I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Facebook as well. So LinkedIn, I think I'm Roberta Hughes. Facebook, I'm Roberta Peaceful Living. Fabulous. And I've got all of that in the show notes. So people will find you. And thank you again for such a generous offer for 30 days complimentary in your community with their plan to get started, created. Yeah. And anyone who's starting like the three-week liver protocol, that would be a great thing for them to put into that time to start their 30 days because I do have quite a few meditations and yin yoga uh, sessions that could really assist in the kidney detox, the liver detox, and just the mindset of it all. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for offering. And any last tips for the audience before we wrap up this episode? I would just love to say to stay curious when you're on your health and wellness journey to choose the things that are a good fit for you and to trust your gut instincts. So if you aren't feeling good about choices that you're making, you're not feeling good for a reason. We go through these cycles of guilt when we aren't honoring what we need and realizing what our true needs are. So be curious listen to that inner voice, let go of the guilt, but choose to make new choices and get support from coaches and experts that can help you along the way. Such wisdom, Roberta. I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming onto the show. I really appreciate your time for coming, being here, sharing all that you have to offer. And to my audience, I want to say thank you very much for tuning in each and every week. And if this episode resonated with you, or you know, someone that needs to hear it, please share it with them. And thanks again, Roberta. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you for investing this time with me on the don't wait for your wake up call podcast. I'm so glad you joined in. If you can take two minutes to share this episode with someone you think can benefit and have a positive impact on their life, that would be wonderful. Please leave a review by going to your favorite podcast listening app and let me know what you enjoy or would like to hear more of. It will support me in my effort to bring the possibility of natural healing to a wider audience and help disrupt the sick care system we have today and make human health a global priority. Health is your true wealth.